How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoe. Shoots. He scores. Battling through it, finally. No sense, bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Okay, pretty much right after we stopped recording, or like the next morning, Claude Julian, who we were talking about being fired, got a job, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it. So I felt like we had to come back and say some words on that, because he was also hired in the most hilarious scenario possible. Oh, absolutely. The, the team that he was hired to... Um, is it's it's something that people would like bandy about and we would all joke about it like wouldn't it be great if and it wouldn't actually happen but in this case it totally happened yeah <laughs> hired by the Montreal Canadiens which is surprising because every time anyone has suggested that the Canadians fire Michelle Therrien like they're like no we're gonna stick behind him they had extended him but he got the boot he's gone he's done <laughs> Hilarious, And in his place, Claude Julian, like the most rivaliest of rivals for the Boston Bruins. Let's let's transfer him over there. Like how. Oh, man, that sucks. To add some more layers. Remember that like the a huge part of the reason that they traded P.K. Subban or felt comfortable doing it was because there was some friction between him and Terry Ann. Like they were so dedicated to the coach that they had that they got rid of literally their best player this was also the second time that claude julian was uh, that claude julian was hired and replaced terry in history amazing exactly the same how does that happen um i'm sure that terry probably has some sort of voodoo doll now of claude julian has burned something in effigy because he's so pissed that he keeps losing his job to claude julian this is just what i assume right yeah <laughs> i mean i would be pretty upset if it had happened twice like the first time it's like oh you know that's hockey whatever but for it to happen again so many years later <laughs> yeah. that stings a little bit probably oh yeah absolutely oh man but um entertaining for us because i also can't stand michelle Terrian and him being fired in the most spectacularly hilarious way is just so delightful and entertaining so for satisfying me. <laughs> so satisfying um, and I think Claude, how's Claude Julian doing in your opinion right now? Um, well, he's kind of, I mean, the, the interesting thing about him, right, is that like the Canadians have kind of gotten by for a long time relying on Carey Price. And when Price hasn't been in the lineup, it's like they're immediately exposed as being not that great of a defensive team. So Claude Julian and when he was with the Bruins, obviously known more for a defensive structure. And kind of that's his challenge is to come into the situation and correct some of that. Um, and Carey Price even made a joke after I think their first oh, yeah. practice. <laughs> I love I love the little shade that he throws everyone. <laughs> yeah, he said um, it's good to see guys playing defense. So there's that. Um, they lost their first game, maybe their first two games or something. I don't know. It hasn't been like a stellar start right away. But when it's something like defense and trying to change the minds of people in that way, it could take a little bit longer. So right. we still kind of have to see where it goes. But it'll be entertaining as we find out how uh, the team ends up faring with Claude Julian behind them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'm excited also, too, because it seemed like Terry and also, I mean, not that Claude Julian is kind of known for just letting the young guys do what they want and let them run, but 
a person who has kind of been a point of contention between fans and Tarion was always um, Alex Galchenyuk because everybody's like, he's a really great player. Let him, you know, rely on him more. And he played wing for a while and never got really consistent starts at center. But now he's been playing center and people think it's time for him to take kind of that next step and become a really strong two-way player. Um, And hopefully Julian is the person to do that. And we will see where it goes. Yeah, I'd like to see Galchenyuk have a chance to shine because he is a really excellent player. So also maybe now that if the Canadians start having like a, a more decent defense, he has a chance to shine a little brighter. I hope so. Because I, I really enjoy him. And so I would like for him to be able to, I mean, actually, and he's had great years anyway because he scores a lot. But to become known as a really strong two-way forward would be awesome. Yeah, and you know he's not, like, reaching his full potential right now. You know, he's not doing everything that he could do. Um, and so, yeah, this would be a good opportunity for him to kind of branch out. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by the hiring of Claude Julien with this crop of Montreal players. I don't know if they'll, like, improve leaps and bounds, but it would be cool to see them gain a little more consistency um, and be more of a legitimate threat than being like, oh, Carey Price is playing really well and they happen to be scoring a lot, so they're getting <laughs> by. You know, less of a paper tiger, maybe. Um, that could be fun. Yeah. yeah, that'll be good. I'm excited to see what's going to go on with the Canadians. Yeah. Um, to bring it now, now that we've had an opportunity to touch on that, bring it back to the West Coast, I got really excited because just before, while the Kings were on their break, there were rumblings from some people that I don't really trust that were like, (laughs) Adrian Kempe called up. And I was like, oh my god, don't get too hype. You have to wait for the confirmation, see if it's real. And then it was, he got called up officially when the Kings came back from their bye week and made his NHL debut on Thursday. And... The Kings coming out of the bye week have been kind of a mess. <laughs> yeah, they have not been not been good. I was hoping that the rest would have like reawakened some sort of spirit in them. Not so much. They're still resting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, they've had a little bit of trouble, but still, Adrian Kempe did pretty well in his his uh, first official NHL game. Um, no points, but he did get an awesome breakaway, and he's had the opportunity just, like, right from the jump to play with Kopitar and to Foley, which you can't really get much better than that <laughs> as an introduction. I was excited. And a lot of people don't get to see that when they first start. You know, like, when they, they get their debut, you know, they'll they'll play down your the bottom a little bit more, but to be right up out there, like, at the top from the get-go was really awesome. Yeah. And it was also amazing to see him add some much-needed speed to the Kings lines. Yeah, that was one of the things even that Daryl Sutter, a person who notoriously doesn't give a whole lot of compliments, especially not just straight compliments that aren't backhanded in some way, but he said after Kempe's first game, he said there were players on the ice that couldn't keep up with him. And even Kobitar was like, yeah, he's speedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Which was great, because again, like last podcast, we were talking about Something that we would want to see if someone like Devin Setaguchi was going to go down was for younger guys to get a chance and to maybe see the Kings get a little faster. And here is an opportunity now for that to happen. Um, and so I'm just stoked. <laughs> yeah, I like this new makeup um, that he's get to play. I, I fully support this. Um, we've seen him play a couple of times down, well, I guess once with the rain. And then some other, do we see him some other time? I, I think he was playing Frozen Fury, so I definitely saw him again. Okay, yeah. 
Um, but it's it's good to see him actually get like a, a solid chance to play, like a longer, more opportunities to play. So I'm really excited to see what he ends up doing. I'm also just delighted by him and. I feel like, you know, NHL fans don't necessarily always pay close attention to what's going on in the AHL, which is fine, but it does mean when I am excited about someone because they amuse me or something, <laughs> um, and people aren't as aware of it, I'm like... Can you can they, tell everyone. Yeah, can they please just get called up so it's relevant to other people's lives? And I find Adrian Kempe so entertaining and kind of... I don't think he even means to be necessarily. But, like, for example, one I did mention on Twitter was that he calls Michael Mersh Mershmallow, <laughs> um, which is adorable. <laughs> I precious. love it. Um, another is he's really good friends with Flames prospect Oliver Kylington, because they're both from Sweden. And I don't – there was not any explanation, just a couple of pictures from both of them. At one point, Kylington was out here, and they decided, I think, because, again – uh, Kempe was playing with the rain, so during some days off, they were staying on Rodeo Drive, I think, like, in that area at, like, a nice fancy hotel and, like, went shopping. And it was basically, like, they decided to recreate Pretty, Pretty Woman. Woman, but for themselves. Excellent. <laughs> so, I don't know. He just does things like this. He also doesn't seem to be able to play without his tongue hanging out of his mouth. He's a mystery and a delight, and I'm very excited that he's in the NHL. These are all things that I appreciate in a person. Uh, once again, I it's nice to have um, some players with some personality, right, or at least yeah. visible personality, <laughs> because the Kings have pretty much had it kind of, you know, tamped down a little bit as they, they stay up with the, or as they're in the NHL, or with the Kings in particular. But the rain aren't reined in as much as the rest of them. So to see them do ridiculous things um, that appeal to me and, like, their their personality shines through, I adore. I adore stupid things like that. <laughs> yeah, I really I'm do. Yeah, for it. I love it so much. And, it's, and that is one of the things that, like, we know the Kings are really close, but we only ever get the tiniest glimpses of it. Because, like, even with this bye week, there was, like, a photo uh, I saw that – Trevor Lewis and Jake Muzzin and I think someone else were all on vacation together and like there was just a photo of them like on a boat just kind of sort of cuddling for this picture I don't know it was <laughs> random but cute but you know they never broadcast that kind of stuff it's just like maybe you'll happen to see something every three months <laughs> that's kind of interesting so yeah it's nice when young guys have an opportunity to come up and they are a little more forthcoming with their personalities and shenanigans. I appreciate it. Yeah, like, the most recent thing that I was delighted by in terms of Kings, you know, displaying their personality was uh, just Alec Martinez talking about how his mom ends calls with, like, smell ya. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> like, beautiful. That's a super random thing, but I'm glad you decided to share that on Twitter. Oh, man. There was also something, I guess he and uh, Forbert, maybe, had, like, an appearance somewhere, and... There was, like, a tweet from the Kings account that was, like, quote from Alec Martinez, you have to put this on Twitter right away. So I, I like that Alec Martinez is apparently a social media-minded person, <laughs> even if we don't get to see it that often. Um, and certainly every time he does post to Twitter, it's, like, stuff, like, with his mom or whatever. That's really funny. And I'm just like, could you guys do that more for me? Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, just l let him be free. Like, let <laughs> yeah. him post whatever he'd like. <laughs> but it's okay. We'll just bask in the little things. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
like a fast player, like a fun personality. I'm excited about Adrian Campaign. I hope he continues to do really well and does end up scoring some goals and racking up some points soon. Yeah, me too. Um, to talk a little bit about the bye week in general, beyond the Kings, it's weirdly been very contentious. <laughs> I feel like every time I watch a hockey broadcast, because so many like all the teams are kind of going through it right now, so it comes up a lot. And every time it's mentioned, uh, commentators and stuff talk about how coaches are not really feeling it <laughs> um, because of the condensed schedule. Like the the bye week, if we all remember, was kind of a compromise. Like if the um, World Cup of Hockey was going to happen, players could get a vacation week kind of as a trade off for the shortened preseason. Um, but that meant compacting the schedule, which fine they've done it before and in recent seasons even because of like the olympics and then the lockout but coaches are like maybe this is why players are getting injured a little more also teams coming out of the bye week do not win (laughs) very much (laughs) they do not look good at all (laughs) so at least i mean i guess that's one way to be fair to the kings like they haven't looked great coming out of their bye week and haven't been winning and but But that's that's par for the course for everyone what everybody's doing um an interesting tidbit is uh i think it was on puck daddy where they had gone through all of the teams and this was as of sunday so yesterday for us um three only three of the 19 teams who had had a bye week so far won the game after they came back which is kind of wild (laughs) yeah it really is uh 16% 16% win rate is probably not what they were thinking about in, yeah. like, allowing the players to, like, take a break or relax uh, or and think that that would be better for them. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look – the results don't look too promising. Do you – I don't know. What do you think of the bye week? Do you think they should keep it? Do you think they should do something else with the players? Do you think they should get rid of it? I think that they should get rid of it. Um, I think everyone's fine. I mean – who was it that really wanted the bye week? Or who, like, what was the compromise for it? It was the World Cup of Hockey, basically. Because, remember, that cut into the NHL preseason. The preseason. Yeah, so they were like, all right, well, a trade-off is we want a vacation <laughs> in the middle of the season. I don't know. I think that it's kind of silly. I think it breaks up any sort of momentum that people have. Um, and maybe because it's a little too long. I don't know. Like, to have all of those days back-to-back not playing um i think it kind of messes it up and it shows that when they came back uh, a lot of teams didn't win so it certainly wasn't helping them by any means um i don't want to them to like fester and like be working non-stop like workhorses like they should get days off but i don't know if a, if a bye week is the way to do it yeah i it's interesting like i'm curious to see what they decide during the summer because part of me is like well if the worry is that like teams don't play very well after they come out of them if the majority of teams are playing that way then what is the real loss like what's that matter yeah because everybody's still about even but i also feel like maybe there are just other ways to do it like instead of an entire week that people get off maybe they just increase the number of mandatory off days that they have like i think it was like four now um throughout the season and i don't know increase it a couple more (laughs) see what yeah because it's like it's one of those things where i don't think that this is working so great but i don't necessarily have a better alternative to it and i've never played professional hockey um or beer league hockey or any kind of hockey really to know what would be ideal for players um 
So it, it's hard for me to say, like, oh, well, why don't you try this? I'm like, I don't know if that would work at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the only thing we can really do is kind of guess and hypothesize. Speculate. But, but I think, like, you know, for, as a, me, like, there are plenty of people who, in their regular jobs, plan for, like, a couple weeks of vacation every year. I don't really do that very often. Like, I'm more of a person who will take, like, a ton of long weekends throughout the year. So that's why I'm like, maybe they can just break up those days and just know that they have more definite off days. Maybe that will work for some guys a little bit better. And I don't know, something to play with, I guess. Yeah, I like the small recharging times. Like, I don't need, like, a month off and then coming back and just, like, grinding again. I'd rather have, you know... Just a little bit of uh, of time every once in a while. Yeah, but I thought it was fascinating that it has been so contentious. Um, it was kind of funny. I was watching a Blue Jackets game. I think the one when they played against Nashville recently, right before their bye week. That's probably the way they were talking about it because they were talking about how Tortorella was like, all I can do is like encourage them to even though they're relaxing not get out of the mindset or whatever and then they said something like he he was like but after that I just have to trust them (laughs) kind of thing and it was really weird for it to be sort of like a parent style I just want my children to do the right thing and come back in one piece (laughs) and ready to work (laughs) Um, I can just imagine him like gently encouraging them with like motivational quotes every morning just like a little group text make good choices like keep make good choices (laughs) keep your head in the game remember what you're doing this for you know all of that stuff (laughs) yeah that was really funny to me just like that approach to it of like well once they're free i can't do anything about it so just kind of hoping for the best um it's only five days five or six days some teachers six Penguins got seven for some reason, I guess because they're the Stanley Cup champions, maybe. Maybe that was intentional. I don't know. But they weirdly were the only team with seven days. That's like one of the the unnamed perks. Right, yeah. An extra day. (laughs) And they won their game after, so maybe that's the secret. You can't do five and six days. You have to do seven, and then you're okay. That that must be it. I'm I'm sure someone will bring that up. (laughs) Statistics say. You play. My sample size is the Pittsburgh (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, I thought um, it's kind of funny that that's just been such like a hot topic and something that is likely to change in some way, whether big or small, in the summertime when they have to discuss it again, which I wasn't necessarily expecting when they were like, all right, we're going to implement a bye week. I was like, oh, OK, I thought that would just kind of be the end of it. Yeah, that that would be how it is from now on. Like we have bye weeks and then we just move on with life. Not that, oh, this. Oh, we have to revisit. Oh, there's an edit. Yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, let's talk about scoring. Frustratingly, Connor McDavid keeps getting, like, every time Sidney Crosby gets two points, Connor McDavid gets three, and it's really irritating to me. (laughs) But but I don't want to talk about that, actually. I just wanted to mention it really quick. Um, Partly because we can briefly talk about the fact that Sidney Crosby did reach his 1,000th point, finally. um, Which was really cool. It was on an assist. Yeah, A, a Chris Kunitz. Goal. Right. So he assisted on a... (laughs) Exactly. That was mostly my point, is that his his milestone 1,000th point was on a Chris Kunitz goal, which is absurd. Yeah. But it was Um, at home, too, so that's always nice. Uh, Lots of cheers for him there. Yeah, like in front of the home crowd. Um, And then, still, at the end of the game, he ended up getting the game winner, right? A game winning goal in overtime, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. It wasn't the, it was 1001, but it was still a great moment for that night. Um, and so, yeah, big things from Sidney Crosby. And then they honored him with a golden hockey stick before yep. one of the games. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. It's just really cool. And it's also strange to think about a player like him. And like we were talking about with like Ovi too, just how long they've been at it and yet still, you know, only dominating. Yeah, still and still like pretty young, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the middle of their overall career if they play, you know, like till their late 30s. Um yeah, it's kind of wild. Yeah, he's the 12th fastest player to reach 1000 goals and that's in like that's including everything. So even in, you know, our kind of low scoring era, not like the Gretzky era, he's still, you know, making these strides, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that I was not pleased with his goal, though, because that just means that he pulls even further away from Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter. (laughs) In the goals, in the goals race. (laughs) And that peeps me. (laughs) Come on, Jeff, you have to catch up. So many things I need. I need Connor McDavid to score less. <laughs> I need Sidney Crosby to score more, but not too much more. But not too much Carter. more. Yes. And yet still somehow more than Connor McDavid. It's a really delicate balance we got going on. So what really needs to happen, though, I guess, <laughs> is that Jeff Carter needs to do better. Because if Jeff Carter does really well, then Sidney Crosby can also continue to score. Yeah, exactly. And then... Uh, outpace Connor McDavid, and then we'll all be happy. That would be ideal yep. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. So if we could have some more of that, please, because um, I do like continuing to hear people be like, "Oh, should we consider Jeff Carter's impact?" <laughs> um, yeah, we should. We should always consider Jeff Carter, regardless of what it's about. Just think about Jeff Carter. That's true. Jeff Carter for the heart. But anyway, talk- talking more about scoring. Something that is super impressive to me, which I did not realize because I had forgotten he had scored two hat tricks early in the season. Mm-hmm. I knew one, but I'd forgotten the other. But Patrick Laine, three career hat tricks <laughs> in his rookie season. What is going on? That has not been done since the 90s, like 92, 93 season, I believe. Three career hat tricks before he turned 19. Let That's me tell you insane. how many things I accomplished before I was 19. Answer, not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not as much as what Patrick Laine is doing right now. It is amazing. That is awesome. His most recent one was against the Dallas Stars. He also, thanks in part to that hat trick, leads rookie scoring with 52 points. He is actually tied in goals with Austin Matthews. They both have 28. And Laine has played four fewer games than Matthews. So they're an interesting competition there. They are both amazingly on pace to become the first rookie teens to score 40 goals since Lindros. It's crazy that there are two <laughs> of them. Yeah. Do you think that Patrick Laine will battle for Timu Solani's five hat tricks in a rookie season? He only Ooh. needs two more to tie it. I mean... Yeah. You might as well just do another three. Why not? Right. right. Here we go. Set a record. It doesn't seem to be like I, I'm, I'm glib about this. And for anyone else, it would be like, oh, asking a lot. But I feel like I don't I'm not asking that much. Yeah, I think especially because he is a winger. So, you know, that's a huge part of what he's there for is to score the goals, <laughs> get the passes from the center, score the goal. Um, so I think it's entirely possible that he will keep scoring amazing goals and having multi-goal games. And so... I would be amazed if he got to five, but I would also, I also believe that he is capable. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, he's got the talent, and also luck is on his side so far this season. Because um, he, like, he went out with in, like with an injury and has still come back, and it's like actually, I'm just going to keep scoring in an amazing rage. <laughs> um, yeah, this didn't stop me or hinder me at all. Let me just keep being amazing. <laughs> it's 
wild, but exciting. And I, I would love to see him have more hat tricks. I mean, you're already at three. We're, you know, just over halfway through the season. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah. The top 10, actually, in rookie scoring is pretty interesting because there are three Toronto players, which is amazing for them. How did that happen? (laughs) And it's interesting because whenever I get any little, like, glimpse of Leafs Twitter, basically, they talk about, like, two veterans and, like, oh, if only they had such and such rookie on their line, then they would be doing better, which is, like, wild. <laughs> you need your youngest players in order to make the other players worth anything, really. Amazing. So they're having um, quite the youth movement. <laughs> it's kind of fun to see, um, even, you know, even though I'm not, I don't really care about the Leafs doing well, but I'm always excited when rookies come into the league and yeah. change things up a lot. Me too, especially on a team that's been struggling and hasn't had too much excitement has <laughs> just been mired in like disappointment to have exciting players come up and be like, well, which star rookie are we going to talk about today? That's cool. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I love that there's a Colorado player on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything's terrible for Colorado, except for the fact that Miko Rantanen is having a great rookie season. <laughs> so at least somebody's happy there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so another rookie on this list I noticed is um, Anthony Mantha in, in the top 10 of rookie scoring. And I read a piece, I believe it was in Sports Illustrated, uh, about Zetterberg and how he is thinking already about when the end of his career is going to come because he's 36 years old. He's like, I know it's coming. Um, I'm trying to just basically make the most of this and get this team now that is really young in a place where they are back to winning. Because like the Detroit Red Wings, as everyone knows, has made the playoffs for 25 years in a row. Um, And this seems to be the first season where that will not happen. Um, And it was kind of interesting to think about the trajectory of a career like that, to come into a team that was doing really well, and then like Zetterberg won Stanley Cups with them, and now it's like, okay, you're there for the downswing, but still young enough that you have a few more years to hopefully put them back in the right position to be winners again, Mm -hmm. Um, which is just kind of an interesting arc to me <laughs> in terms of a player because I think you know everybody dreams to see, of like, like the rise and fall of it all yeah yeah and everybody kind of pictured it pictures it as you come into a struggling team and then you get to the point where you're champions and then you go out a champion ideally and so it's like interesting to have to see guys who reach the later parts of their career and think like oh well maybe actually my purpose for when I finish hockey is this entirely different thing yeah to try to I mean going down and try to set up something new again. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just, like, bailing from, the like, at the top, seeing a little bit of a downswing and being like, okay, well, I want the team to be back to, like, the glory that it was, so what can I do to set up, you know, the foundations for that? And that is is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. There was, like, an interesting uh, link, too, because apparently he also interacts with horses. I think he owns four of them or something like that which one zetterberg or zetterberg okay zetterberg and he plans to probably go back to horse racing like dealing with horse horses that were racers and now are too old and stuff and so there was like this weird (laughs) interesting poetry to him like hanging out with these horses and they're all on like the other side of their career but they can relate to each other Him just it having like amazing. really deep, uh, deep feelings and with the the horses that can no longer race. Right, exactly. <laughs> like I'm bonded to you, and I don't know why. 
Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is such like an independent movie about one hundred percent, one hundred later in life experiences. Um, so that was kind of amazing, and also made the story stick out to me. But yeah, so in- look for that film, you know, in two years at Sundance with Zetterberg played by like Viggo Mortensen or something. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. <laughs> It was really quite sweet and kind of beautiful in this way that I did not expect from <laughs> a story about a hockey player who's talking about, you know, me at 36. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was nice and kind of interesting to think about with Detroit, particularly because they're having a, a down season. And yet, like, when I watch their games, it is apparent that they have these players who just have so much potential and talent. Um, every time... Every time I see that clip of the end-to-end goal from Andreas Antonisiu, like, it's so good (laughs) and so (laughs) impressive. And I, like, already obviously, like, have a lot of feelings about Dylan Larkin because I like to watch NTDP and college players. And, um, yeah, I don't know. They're they're a fun group of young guys. So I now I'm, like, suddenly, like, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for Zetterberg to help set them up for success. (laughs) When before I had retires. very little uh, care at all about the, tr- the, right. the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> yeah. Like, at all. I didn't think about them very much in any way. <laughs> yep. And now uh, rooting for their success. So that was that was pretty fun. I like a good story. What can I say? <laughs> oh, I guess briefly, I guess then before we wrap up this shorter podcast, um, since we managed to blow through everything very fast. Yeah. There is a minor Jonathan Quick update, which is that he's still progressing as expected, and there's no definite return table, but they haven't ruled out a return, basically. Um, There were, like, internal discussions about whether they needed to set some sort of deadline and decide if he wasn't ready by then. They were just going to say he was shut down for the season. But they're not going to do that because he's still progressing. At least they haven't. They haven't decided on anything like that yet. Um, and there was also, because we were talking about how Zach Koff's play versus Budai's play like raised questions about the backup goaltender situation. And apparently there were internal discussions about whether the Kings should, in the event that Jonathan Quick could not come back, if they needed to acquire another goaltender, or if they needed to possibly send Zach Koff down and pick up or bring up um, Jack Campbell because Zakoff was not holding up his end when he was getting starts. Um, and Budai's workload is huge. Right. Which I found interesting that the same way we were like, hold on, is there a question here? Yeah. <laughs> the team was like, let's talk about it for yeah. a second. Um, so what do you think? Do you think they should? Uh, well, I mean, at this point, we still don't know, I guess, but... What, what do you think about seeing Campbell in net? I think they should leave Campbell where he is only because he's been making, it seems like, really good progress there. Yeah. And they brought him into the system as kind of a reclamation project. So I think they shouldn't rush that just because they feel like they're kind of in a more dire situation. Like, I think it's especially because they're not looking for somebody else to be a starter. They're just looking for a, a better, better backup. backup. Yeah. Yeah. They could, I think they could probably find somebody else if they just desperately wanted to try it. But it seems like so far they're just going to keep doing what they have been. But and, I think and it's, they, it's fine too. I mean, the Kings aren't, I don't know. I mean, they're still in contention, right, but right. it's just one of those things where it's not a, desperate thing where like they're you know they're just on the cusp they need one more thing and then they have it like they're like solidly in the playoffs it's kind of still like teetering they can Mm -hmm. 
don't know. They can find someone else. Yeah, exactly. And I think if they do get to the point where they definitely shut down Jonathan Quick, then maybe consider bringing up Jack Campbell. But I I don't think it's necessary right now, for sure. Um, and I think for the most part, unless all of a sudden Peter Boot, I just cannot put together any wins and Zatkoff also cannot, then they, they can just keep doing what they've been doing. Yeah, I don't, I, it's fine with what's going on right now. So yeah, that's all I got pretty much for this week. Did you have anything else? I'm sure that people have read it, but uh, if you haven't, go read the Players' Tribune article that Corey Hirsch just put out um, oh. like five days ago. It's uh, He talks about how he was di- – or it's, it's all about mental health, and he was diagnosed with OCD um, and a particular type of it. And it's just very – like, once again, we were talking about this when we talked about You Can Play, how a lot of that wasn't talked about openly, so it makes it hard for people to come out – um, come out to people or like open up to someone and in the same way mental health is the same way especially when hockey is all about being a tough guy and taking a puck to the face and just like getting a couple of st- stitches and like making it out for your next shift like that's that's the hockey mentality but you know it doesn't matter uh, how tough you are in that way you know mental health affects everyone and so Corey Hirsch is very very open about all of that uh, in this article for the Players' Tribune, and it's an excellent read. Um, and he, it was also nice that he lists the people that were kind to him without – because, you know, he hit it. This is the 90s. You know, no one's going to be like, hey, I have mental health issues. But, you know, people could tell that something was wrong. And it was a, a nice little thing that he called out a couple of players who were always kind to him, um, even without him opening up or even, without even knowing what was wrong. Um, cause like that's sometimes all you need is just a, a couple of people being kind to you to help you through, you know, something that you're going through, but it's, it's a really good read, um, and a really good sort of, uh, piece to see that, you know, hockey players have mental health issues too. Like there was that whole thing with Carcillo writing articles because of, you know, depression and, and concussions and, uh, symptoms and, you know, what that leads to. And this is just another thing to add to it. And it was just really well done. I still haven't, I've bookmarked it, but I still haven't had a chance to read it. So I will do that probably right after this. Um, But it also makes me want to just take this opportunity to talk about how much I dislike Mike Babcock. (laughs) Um, Go for it. And that also this week, I guess Mitch Marner was injured. And ultimately it was decided, I think, by trainers and doctors that he would sit out two games at least. And... Mike Babcock was basically like, if it was up to me, he would play, but it's up to the doctors. And I I feel like this dude, and he's not the only one, it's just sort of indicative of the way still some coaches are. He's the guy like who at one point questioned whether or not there needed to be a quiet room or a dark room that players needed to go into if they were suspe- suspected of having concussion symptoms. He has openly admitted that he basically puts so much pressure on his trainers to say that a player can still play if they have taken a bad hit or something. And I just feel like it's the more that stories like the Hirsch story come out that are about mental health and whatnot, like just the disregard of players' physical health that often can then tie into mental health in ways. Like, it's, I don't know, it's, I think there's just so much still being taken for granted, even now. And like, you know, he was talking about a lot of stuff that was happening in the 90s around him. It's been 20 years. (laughs) And still, um, there are coaches and guys out there who are just like, meh, it's fine. Yeah, just deal with it. 
these aren't just hockey playing machines. These are people with problems that you need to help them through. Like he starts the whole thing with saying like he helps Canada win an Olympic silver medal. He was, I mean, he was like a third, he was a black ace, but he uh, drank out of the Stanley Cup and like won a Stanley Cup. He had a good life. He had good, he had friends, you know, but he was still like overcome with, with this, like with this affliction. Mm -hmm. And to know that, you know, with this not being a visible, you know, ailment, to know that there are coaches out there that'll be like, it doesn't matter. I don't care at all. Just go out there and play is bad. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. And I'm, I'm glad that there are more articles and stuff like that with yeah. players speaking out about their experience, um, retired players and even current players or recently retired players talking about it. Um, so continue to sort of change the culture in that way because it's important and you don't want to just be like, all right, you're an asset that we need on the ice. (laughs) You're a human being and you should probably be taking care of yourself and both physically and mentally because even, you know, player gets injured. They all talk about how the toughest part when you're out long term is like staying sane. Yeah. (laughs) So... It's good to pay attention to it and not create an environment where people feel like they shouldn't be out or that they shouldn't get help for those things or that they shouldn't talk about them. Yeah. And that's apt because we always end this with saying, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other and in hockey and in life, be good to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I guess we could pretty much get to with this since that's, I don't know, that's all. That's all we have, I guess, for this week. Yeah. A little bit of a shorter recording, um, but hopefully we will get to watch more games, have some more Kings wins. I want to see an Adrian Kempe goal by the next time we record. That would be my wish for next week. That sounds that sounds amazing. That would be lovely. <laughs> I would like uh, for Patrick Laine to have gotten another hat trick. Oh, yeah. Also, both- <laughs> just just go for it. Super doable, both of those. <laughs> um, especially the line, I think. Yeah. He can definitely do it. So, yeah, that's where we're at. And then hopefully we'll be super happy when we come back and have watched plenty of exciting things. Until then, you know where to find us. We're on Twitter, um, Facebook. We have a site that we aren't really writing on right now, but it's there as well. <laughs> um, you can email us, chirp at thanksbud.com. We like emails. Uh, occasionally we get them questions stuff if you have any of that shoot them at us it's fine um until next week be good to yourselves take care of each other and we will talk to you later friends bye bye everyone